Hey everybody, it's Chris. If you're a sports fan like me, or you're just a fan of a great story, you gotta check out Press Box Access, a sports history podcast hosted by Todd Jones. Todd sits down with fellow sports writers who experienced firsthand some of the biggest sports moments of the past 50 years, and they share some of the stories behind the stories, some of which they've only told to each other. What I personally love are the wild stories that you might not hear so much about on SportsCenter over the years. Like when Indiana-based sports journalist Bob Kravitz recounts the time Bobby Knight showed up naked to an office meeting with him and then banned him from the Hoosiers' locker room for the next three years because Bob wrote a story he didn't like. Or when Alexander Wolfe tells a story about going out on the town in Chicago with Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra in the middle of a Bulls playoff series. Or when Dan Wetzel talks about what it was like to be in the media room when Temple basketball coach John Chaney stormed into UMass coach John Calipari's press conference after a game and threatened to kill him. These wild and fun stories, paired with stories about real sports greatness, you know, like the 1970s Steelers being the greatest NFL dynasty ever, or the legendary rivalry between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and even the impact of protests for social justice issues in sports, make Pressbox Access a show you should check out. Pressbox Access is part of the Evergreen Podcast family, and it's available all the places you get your pods, and you can also find Pressbox Access on YouTube. Go check it out. Never have our minds been as blown on One Hit Thunder as when we dove into the life and career of Michael Penn. From his famous siblings to his work on landmark films, Michael's story couldn't be further from the norm. But don't even think about throwing the nepotism accusation around here. Penn is the real deal. This week, we dive into his catalog and discover that it's no myth that Michael Penn is undeniable thunder. to talk about Michael Penn's No Myth, which when you told me we were doing this episode, I was like, I don't know that song. And you're like, it's the Romeo and Black Jean song. I'm like, I still don't know what that song is. But I swear that upon repeated listenings to this, I don't know if it's just because I really like the song now or it spawned a memory somewhere deep in my brain. I feel like I know it now. I feel like I already so, did. Do you want to know how I first heard the song? Because I thought the song was a lot newer than it actually ended up right? being. Yeah. So this song, my first connection with this song actually ties back to a different musician that I podcast with. Hmm. No Myth by Michael Penn is the closing song of the Jason Biggs movie Loser that oh. featured Teenage Dirtbag. And I used to watch that movie constantly. So I thought that that was like, I didn't think it was like a song that was written for the movie because it's not like describing the plot line. But it was weird to have like all of this modern music 
and then it just ends with a song that's like 11 years old. So I just always assumed it was like a fairly new song because that movie didn't do well. You know, like Mm -hmm. Loser was not a hit. So I remember the first time going into like a CVS and hearing the song playing on the radio, being really confused. I had no clue that this song actually like was a known charting hit. Like I thought that it was just some obscure song from an obscure teen flick that no one remembered. And then I did the research and was like, shit, not only was this like, this was like a top 20 hit. Like yeah. this isn't like one of those ones where it's like, oh, well, you know, it it peaked at 38, but like that that just just barely squeaks by. Like this was a bona fide 1983 hit. 1989. That I had no, or yes, 1989, that I had like no clue was a song that anybody knew. And then our Patreon voted on it. So like- Well, dude. Sh- shout out to them. You kind <laughs> like, of- you kind of alluded to this, but I don't think this song sounds like it's from 1989 at all. I feel like this no. song could come out right now and I'd be like, oh, that's a cool song. It's timeless as hell. It's timeless as hell. This song almost to me would make more sense if you were like, yeah, this came out at the same time as like John Mayer's first album and like like more of that like kind of folky pop rock sound of the late 90s early 2000s i'd be like yeah absolutely like that that makes more that makes so much more sense to me than 1989 but i do want to i do want to talk about something that i that i alluded to so i had no clue until this morning that michael penn's last name was a very clear indication of who he was related to. yeah right <laughs> I had zero I had my mind, clue. My mind was blown like five different times during the research for this episode, for sure. Oh, I'm. I think we're gonna get into a few of it because there was like one or two things where I read something and was like, "Ooh, Chris got excited when he read that sentence." Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, like, dude did the soundtrack to one of your favorite movies dude, of all time. <laughs> like, I mean, he's in the movie. Yeah, we'll get to that. But let's start by saying the dude is Sean Penn's brother. that's the first thing we have to say is Michael Penn is Sean. And then when you look at him, you're like, Oh yeah, I get that. Uh, And also let's not forget the late Chris Penn was also a Penn brother. You would know him. He was a character actor. He's in reservoir dogs, reservoir dogs, footloose (laughs) rush hour. Yeah. You would know him from those. Uh, I think the funniest of the pens, honestly, he tended, I feel like he did way more comedic roles. He was funny. He was good. This is the only negative thing I'm going to say, and I'm going to get it out right now. The only thing where I went, oh, there's a little bit of nepotism there, is that this dude performed as the musical guest on SNL in 1987, two years before he had an album, when Sean Penn was the host, and that's right. like a, it's like a little bit of a like a, well, no, they ain't, they ain't knocking on the door for Punchline to just show up and play well, on SNL, but but there yeah. were two guests that night. There were two musical guests that night. Yeah. Do you know who the other one was? No, who was the other one? LL Cool J. So LL Cool J had to give up one of his songs so that Sean Penn's brother could perform a song that no one <laughs> yeah. knew. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of messed up now that you put it that way. <laughs> LL Cool J was a legit star. Michael Penn. He only got to play him. Mama Said Knock You Out and nothing else. I don't know what song he played that night. I'm just but... guessing that's that's 87 seems about correct uh, for that one. Uh, but yeah, or radio. He played, <laughs> he played something, but... Well... He could have played big old butt, but he could, didn't get a second performance. <laughs> Nepotism <laughs> aside, luckily, like much like we talk about the strokes, lucky for them and lucky for Michael Penn, they're actually good. He's actually really good. Really, really good. <laughs> uh, one, one of the first things I noticed 
and I made a note of this. Did you watch the music video for this song, Matt? I didn't. I should have. Oh. I should have. Well, I can I tell know. you. I can tell you a few things about it. First of all, Michael Penn at this point, 1989, he. <laughs> this is how I describe him. He looks like if Timothy Chalamet was okay. playing one of the Tears for Fears guys in a biopic about the band. <laughs> That's my <laughs> okay, best way. That's I'm keeping it on it. silent, but I am going to pull up the video just to kind of get a little bit of a visual idea of what you're talking about here. And I have to notice, <laughs> I have to note this in the music video. There's a guy playing keys. I think it's a Chamberlain. I think it's called. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. He looks exactly like Fred Armisen, like Fred Armisen playing a character <laughs> of a guy from a band from 1989. It's crazy. <laughs> like a Portlandia sketch. Yes. Where he's it looks like a the Portlandia other guy sketch. in. <laughs> In Michael Penn's music video, dude. Oh, yep. No one. I he just showed up in this video, <laughs> and I see it. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> that is that is a spot on compare. Same with the Timothy Chalamet. You actually nailed it on both of these <laughs> right? guys. That's Patrick um, Warren, by the way. That's Patrick Warren over there on the Chamberlain. And and that's kind of a. I mean, that's not an instrument that you hear pop up in a lot of stuff. It's kind of cool. It, it adds that cool little sound to the to the chorus. So something that jumped out at me again, this is this is an artist that like like I said, I vaguely knew the song because of a a failed teen comedy from the year 2000. You had no recollection of the song until a week or two ago. But this dude won MTV Video Music Awards Best New Artist yeah. for 1990. Beat it. Do you know who he beat out? Well, you already told me one of them beforehand. It's one yeah. that I love and I want to do a one-hit thunder about. It's Jane Child. This uh, was a stacked chart that he yeah. was up against. He beat out Bell Biv DeVoe, Whoa. Lenny Kravitz, Ooh. Alana Miles, Lisa Stenfield. Stansfield, yeah. Stansfield. Lisa Stansfield. So this is why you're here. <laughs> and and the Black Crows were all also wow. nominees that he'd beat out for Best New Artist. There's a lot of people in the category. I don't remember yeah, being that well, many dude, nominees. So, I did so much research on Best New Artist, Chris, that I came up with not one, but two games for Ooh, us to play real love quick. Love a game. So the first game is, did this person win Best New Artist? Ooh, okay. Here, we, Here go. we go. Cindy Lauper. No way. She did not. She did not win. Two of her songs were nominated in that category. She was nominated for both Time After Time and Girls Just Want to Have Fun. As she should be. She was nominated along with Madonna's Borderland and Wang Chung's Dance Hall Days, but they all lost to Sweet Dreams by the Euphorics. <laughs> wow. That would be Borderline by Madonna, and that would be Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. <laughs> the Eurythmics, yes. Not Borderland and, and the, what did you call them? <laughs> People know what they're signing up for. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whitney Houston. I would say, yeah, she's such a talent. Whitney Houston did not win wow. Best New Artist. Uh, the song that was nominated was How Will I Know. Uh, she was nominated with the Hooters and We Danced, the Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls, mm. and Simply Red, Holding Back the Years. But they lost to AHA's Take On Me for wow. Best New Artist. Wow. AHA. I mean, those were all great. And how was anyone to know AHA wouldn't follow that up with another hit? But yeah. still. No, for okay. sure. Guns N' Roses. Jeez, it's hard to think that this is Best New Artist at the Grammys, right? No, the MTV Video Music Awards. Oh, Video Music Awards. Yes, I bet you they won. 
They did. And man, boy, was it ever stiff competition, Chris, because they were up against Buster Poindexter and Swing Out Sister. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like Swing Out Sister, but... I do too, but that is not... That's a not really a nail-biter yeah. by any stretch that's of the imagination. Uh, Nirvana? Wow. This is so hard. Um, I would say... No, they didn't. They did win. Uh, uh, Smells Like Teen Spirits won. They beat out Arrested Developments, Tennessee... Tori Amos's Silent All These Years and Crackers Teen Angst. Okay. If I would have known who they were up against, I would have said yes. Yeah. Uh, that's that's part of the fun of the game, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Green Day. No. Green Day did not win. Uh, this was a this was a good ass category. Um, so they lost to Counting Crows, Mr. Jones. Okay. Um, but their song Longview was nominated alongside Lisa Loeb Stay. Bjork human nature or human behavior and Beck loser. Wow. Like, what, a, what a great year for music in general, just based on those Ooh, being the new artists that are nominated. That right? is about, that is Chris Fafalius right there in, <laughs> in a category. <laughs> Counting Crows, Green Day, Bjork, Beck. And what was the one other one? Be- oh, Lisa Loeb. Oh yeah. I like Lisa Loeb, but the other four, stay, wow. I mean, stay it was a fucking yeah. jam. So, to, so in the best new artist, category you're getting nominated for a specific song for a specific song there was only one year that it was just the artist without a song attached ah, to it it was very weird interesting so i'm gonna go with one of your pittsburgh uh alumni Ooh. christina aguilera okay man that was really in the thick of like i i would say no she did not win yeah. Uh, what a girl once was the song that she was nominated with, but she lost to past episode Macy Gray. I try. Oh, uh, beat her out for best new artist. She was also nominated alongside Papa Roach's Last Resort, <laughs> Pink's There You Go, and another song we've discussed, Cisco's The Thong Song. Wow. Okay. Um, and then the last one for this game, Drake. Oh, he had to. He had. He to did win. not. Wow. Uh, the best I ever had was the song he was nominated for, Great but he song. lost. He lost to Lady Gaga's Poker Face. And then (laughs) listen to the other stiff competition that they were up against that year. Asher Roth's I Love College, Kid Cudi's Day and Night, and 303's Don't Trust Me. (laughs) All right. I like Kid Cudi. Yeah, Kid Cudi's good. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind, uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick, and usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work, but we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh revisiting classic material talking about the new classics um all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speaker's Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe to Grind podcast. I'm not going to lie here. I've become a factor fanatic lately. 
I'm a busy guy, and getting to eat restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat in two minutes has been amazing. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You have 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. I've been spreading the word to everyone I know, not just here on the podcast, but in person as well. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. You get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the math doesn't lie. Factor is less expensive than takeout. Plus, considering every meal is dietitian approved, it's also nutritious and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today by heading to factormeals.com slash one hit 50 and use the code one hit 50 to get 50% off. That's code one hit 50. The words one hit and the number 50 that is at factormeals.com slash one hit 50 to get 50% off. Hey, one hit thunders, thunderheads, thunder buns. All right. I'll just go with One Hit Thunder listeners. This is Chris Demakes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Chris Demakes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song that they have written. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites such as Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurwitz, up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu, and even some of the artists that have been featured on One Hit Thunder. The show is even produced by One Hit Thunder host Chris Fafalius. What more could you possibly ask for? Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I guarantee you'll like it, or we'll give you your money back. The second game that I wanted to play real quick this is still a category at the MTV Video Music Awards. Do you know who the mo- the last five winners of it were? So this would be 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, and 22. Okay. Oh, of the best new artist? Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, who are some new artists? Olivia Rodrigo? She won in 2021. Okay. Got one of them. Um, oh, geez. Who are some more new artists? Casey Musgraves? <laughs> No. So that's your first buzzer, but I will give you this hint. It's all women that have won the category. Oh, so Okay. Oh, oh, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish won it in 2019. Okay, I got two. That's pretty good. That's um, pretty good. <laughs> out of all of the artists in the last five years. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, pretty good that you got two out of on your third try. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, this is... I'm thinking so hard right now. Only one of them I've never heard of. Oh. Um, would it be like, uh, oh, um, Cardi B? Cardi B won in 2018. Oh, I, got, I got three so you of just, them. Yeah, so you just need the 2020 and the 2022. Oh, wow. Wow, I can't believe I got three out of five. Um, and only one wrong so far. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, would it be, um, oh, geez, what's her name? Kiss Me More, uh, Doja Cat? Doja Cat was 2020. Yes! So Dude, the only I... remaining one, I, I'm i just going to give you the 2022 because I have no clue who this artist is. I'm officially too old. Do you know who Dove Cameron is? 
I don't. I would have never got that. Yeah, I know. I, I figured you. I was like, I have no clue who this artist is. Dude. Apparently, they had a hit last year with Boyfriend. Um, oh. But <laughs> I did pretty yeah, good. That's a damn. You did a fucking fantastic job on that. I was not anticipating that. <laughs> that was anyway. the complete opposite of when you did the <laughs> my Belgium uh, artist. The Belgium yeah, artist. <laughs> to I, be fair, yours was a little bit easier. It was name five artists that are famous from the last couple of years. Well, <laughs> like, I mean. I guess. Famous enough for MTV to to recognize their I guess. existence. I guess. All right. You want to talk about um, Michael right. Penn some more? So back to Michael Penn. So his second album, this I thought was really interesting. His second album comes out, Free For All. And simultaneously, he's already being labeled a one-hit wonder. But the album is like a, a critical smash. Right. Like the critics are like, this dude is... Su-, like it almost felt like the way that I read it was like, that almost the critics were like, this shit is too good for him to ever have another hit. Like, right. <laughs> like too heady. he's just not a radio guy. <laughs> right. And that's fine. He had his hit. If, if he wants to make cool music that is critically acclaimed, like, what? what's wrong with that? I mean, yeah. and he's he, already and he, Sean Penn's brother. He's probably yeah, not hurting he was, for cash. <laughs> and he was regularly releasing albums pretty much up until 2007 like he put out a, a decent handful of albums but then we talked about this then he angled his way into being a composer for film and Dude. i mean i like a couple of these movies that he did right like he did the the score for the comedians of comedy documentary have you ever seen that no it's worth checking out it's Patton oswald brian Posehn, uh zach galifianakis and uh marie bamford Okay. And they went on a tour together called The Comedians of Comedy, making fun of the kings of comedy. Gotcha. He did the score for The Last Kiss, which was uh, Zach Braff's, one of like Zach Braff's movies. Uh, did the music for the TV show Masters of Sex on Showtime. Worked on Good Girls. But the biggest thing, the thing that like we need to talk about is in 1996 and 1997, he did the score for two PTA movies. Most importantly, Boogie Nights, one of Chris's like what five favorite movies of all it's time. Probably my second favorite behind Days and Confused movie ever. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, not only did he do the score, which is it's very recognizable. It's like the song that would play during like the DVD menu, and yeah. it, it pops up in the movie. But he's in the movie as the engineer when Dirk Diggler is recording his album, which is <laughs> yeah. by far like I think. I mean, there's lots of funny parts in that movie, but that has to be the funniest part. It's it's either that or anytime you see like the buddy cop thing that he's filming with John yeah. C. Riley. Like yeah. those are the highlights in that movie for me. Talk about a movie that is three hours long, but does not feel its length even a little bit. Like that movie just fucking moves yeah. from start to finish. It's, it's my favorite PTA movie, like yeah. no competition. I got a buddy who's a film snob who like doesn't think that Boogie Nights is the best. And he, and he really loved that. The newest one we were recording? Licorice that, Pizza? Licorice Pizza. And I was like... That did not do it for me, it dude. That movie me. made me uncomfortable in, in not the way I think it was supposed to. Yeah, I mean, it just... <laughs> I just... It was okay. It was, it was fine, but when that was, like, nominated for Best Picture, I was like, I this is yeah so low ranking on, like, PTA's movies in my in my mind. But... I don't know. The only other one that I've loved as much as Boogie Nights was was that Punch Drunk Love movie because it was so yeah. interesting to see Adam Sandler play at that time so dramatically against right. type. But but Boogie Nights, man, it's just the greatest. The fact that Michael Penn had something to do with that, that was one of the first things that 
I mean, after Sean being Sean Penn's brother. Yeah, you follow that up with with that piece of information. You're like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, The man can't be stopped. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, then he produced and then married Amy Mann. Amy Mann, and then produced Liz Fair and Wallflowers releases. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Pretty incredible. I watched another one of his music videos for this song called Try. It's also an awesome song. Um, yeah. And in the music video, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it as like his roadie. He's like walking and like singing to the camera. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like running in and out of the shot, like giving him his guitar and like holding a microphone up for him and stuff. <laughs> and it's just, this guy is so cool. I also yeah. watched an, a performance. You can YouTube this of Michael and Amy performing the beach boys i just wasn't made for these times it's just unbelievable like so so good it was a, it was at a tribute to brian wilson he's got to be the coolest pen brother right i feel like that's what <laughs> i've walked away from this thinking yeah sean penn's pretty cool but um, sean, but i don't know i feel like if i could only hang out with one pen brother and chris penn even if chris penn was still alive yeah i'd be like i kind of want to hang out with michael penn yeah <laughs> he just seems like a chill ass dude to hang out with Hey, one thing that's really going to interest you, Matt, do you know who produced the song No Myth? I do not. Who who did? So it's produced by Tony Berg. And Tony Berg, oh man, here we go. Matt's about to get excited. He was a session guitarist and he was on notable releases from the following. Air Supply, mm-hmm. Debbie Boone, mm-hmm. the Rocky Horror Picture Show LP. Ooh. And several Muppet Show records. <laughs> I was going to say, he probably did the Muppets. Yep. As soon as you said Rocky Horror, I was like, I bet he did some Muppets. And shit. also notable about Tony Berg is then he went on to become an A&R guy for Geffen. And he played a role in signing both Beck and At the Drive-In. Yo, so the dude's got good taste. Yeah, I love it. Uh, let's talk about when this song charted for yeah. a quick second. Because again, blew my blew me away that this peaked at, at 13 on March 24th, 1990 was when this thing hit its peak. And again, top 10, not as tasty as last week's in my eyes, but still a pretty tasty top 10 here. We got it number 10, Technotronic with Get Up. Get up, get up, get busy. <laughs> I want to see your party. Okay. <laughs> uh, number nine, we had Madonna's Keep It Together. Keep it together in the family. Yeah, good song. Uh, number eight. I'm a huge Billy Joel fan, and I barely remember this song. No. I go to extremes. You don't remember that one? No. Living and I know why I go to extremes. You don't know that I mean, one? It's like his most I, rocking song. That's probably why I, I want my I want my Joel just a piano and a cigarette somewhere. All right, <laughs> like, all right. Uh, <laughs> number number seven. Uh, I massacred her name once, and I'll probably do it again here. Uh, Lisa Stansfield with All Around the World. Been around the world, and I I I I can't find my baby. Yeah, that's a good song. Number six, Tommy Page. I'll be your everything. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't remember this song from the time. But it, when you listen to it, you're like, oh, this makes sense. He wrote the song with a couple of the new kids on the block. It sounds exactly like a new kids on the block ballad. And then I guess on the YouTube, people were like talking a lot of shit on this song because people were like, stop saying terrible things about it. Like he actually committed suicide in 2017. But I guess oh, people, no. people were just like talking shit on the song, <laughs> you know, like because it is a. Yeah. It is a cheesy ass like new kids. I think it's on our long list. Like I think when I send people a long list, I think it's his only hit. Um, Then we had 
So now we're entering the top five here. Number five, not my favorite by Phil, but Phil Collins, I Wish It Would Rain Down. Oh, no, I wish it would rain now. You don't like that? I like that one. It's all right, but I mean, it's no studio. Right. <laughs> uh, studio. Num- <laughs> number, number four, uh, the B-52s, Rome. I love Rome. Uh, Rome is fucking great. And I think people forget, like, that's another one where every once in a while people will be like, you should do Love Shack by the B-52s. <laughs> and it's like, dude, Rome was... Rome wasn't just like, oh, the Love Shack was a hit, and then Rome like kind like Rome was a big song. Love Rome. Rome's yeah. on my I playlist. My songs that move me playlist that has like yeah. thousand songs on it. I love Rome. It's so good. Uh, your girl at number three, yep. Janet Jas- Jackson with <laughs> Jeez. You can't mess up. You can't mess up that name, Janet Jaskin. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Jaskin, get the hell out of here! You just you can just call her Janet. We know who she is. Yeah. Janet Jaskin. <laughs> uh, any feelings on Escapade? I love Escapade. It's great. Uh, I mean, fucking ballad of the of the decade. Number two, wow. Taylor Dane's "Love Will Lead You Back." Love will lead you back. Yeah, it's good. I feel like that song was in about fourteen different compilation CD commercials. and then this song peaked the same day that black velvet hit number one for the first time so you know good times good times on the black velvet hey i i always you know i always make notes of the ones that are also in the charts to give us perspective uh and number 40 at this time heart of the matter from don henley such a good song uh and number 33 one we did on one hit thunder Nothing compares to you was on the way up. Um, rise in the rise in the ranks. Yep. <laughs> Watch out, Black Velvet. Sinead's on yeah. the way. Sinead's on the way. <laughs> and number 28 was How Can We Be Lovers by Michael Bolton. Good song. Which uh, was on its way down, I think. Oh, yeah. We got a couple other uh, one-hit wonder things on here. Like number 24, I Want to Be Rich. It's crazy that I Want to Be Rich was on the charts at the same time as this No Myth song and Black Velvet. <laughs> that, that just doesn't register in my head for some reason. Um, and number 18 was Just a Friend from Biz Marquee. Good ass song. And number 15, I would have thought this song was earlier than, the, than it is, but it was Here and Now by Luther Vandross. Do you know that song? No, when you said here and now, I thought for sure you were going to say letters. To no, no, no. Afterwards. I like that song too. That's the song goes, but da 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 You know, right? Doesn't she yeah. do that thing in that song? Yeah. Um, no, here and now, if you went to a wedding, I went to lots of my aunt's weddings. My mom has six sisters, so I went to a lot of weddings as a kid. And they always played this Luther Vandross song at them. It goes, here and now, I promise to love faithfully. Oh, I do know this. Yes. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> You're all I need. And the one other song, so No Myth was at number 13. One above that at number 12, we got to do a one hit thunder about this song, was Don't Want to Fall in Love by Jane Child. Now, for anyone who doesn't know Jane Child, she famously has the craziest hair of all time. And and she also has a nose ring and an earring that are connected by a chain. She's just crazy looking. But, but Janet, this, I think, did that in one of her later videos in like the mid '90s. Yeah, I want to say did. like the Together Again video or something, or Runaway. Runaway, <laughs> I think that makes yeah. sense. But but this Jane Child song, it's the song goes, "Don't wanna fall in love." <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to hear it. It's like a, it's kind of like dancey, but it's it's like a pop dancey song. But it's great, and she's kind of like a badass. She feels like the predecessor to Pink. 
or something, you know? I could see that. Yeah, looking at pictures and everything, I I 1000% see that. Yeah. Jane Child is pop with an attitude for sure. This song, I mean, the only other thing, do we do we want do we really need to talk about the lyrics too much? I do want to call out that I do think that this chorus is a fucking great chorus. Like yeah. it it's like one of those ones that gets it, although I don't under obviously like if I was Romeo in black jeans, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm a, I'm a modern modern day Romeo essentially. Mm-hmm. Heathcliff, it's no myth is the line that I don't understand because I hear Heathcliff and I think of the cat, the cat opposite of Garfield. <laughs> I knew I, that. I knew that's the cat. I knew you would think of the cat. I think he's so, refer- I think he's referring to. Just is that at, another literary thing that yeah, I'm missing? <laughs> he's, he's, I think he's refer. I would guess he's referring to just as Kate Bush referred to Heathcliff in the song Wuthering Heights. I believe he's referring to the character in Wuthering Heights. This is where I announce that I have never read Wuthering Heights. <laughs> Sorry, Wuthering everybody. Heights, but yes. <laughs> Uh, but yes, uh, I, every time I'm like, why is he singing about Heathcliff? Heathcliff, <laughs> like, Heathcliff, Sonja, terrorize the neighborhood. Do you remember the only thing I remember song? about Heathcliff was that he would put a fish in his mouth and just pull out bones? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's how I eat fish too. <laughs> Heathcliff, Heathcliff, terrorize the neighborhood. Could you oh, imagine? Oh, oh, oh. You know that song? I just can't. I remember the song vaguely. Yeah. I just. I, I, to this day, listen, listeners, let me know if you're someone who preferred Heathcliff to Garfield over Garfield, explain yourself. <laughs> like, I want to, I want to know. Heathcliff was like the <laughs> punk rock Garfield. He like hung out. He like had friends that like hung out in a dump and he like <laughs> ate fish. And yeah, yeah just, they were the gutter punks. The- they were the gutter punks, the Garfield's new wave music. Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. I mean, Heathcliff was just punk rock Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I I feel like we've done nothing but shower praise on Michael Penn, so I don't even think we really need to officially do the Thunder Blunder here. Well, uh, I think I, it's just, yo, people check out Michael Penn. Like, yeah. check out this dude's music and watch Boogie Nights tonight. Yeah, <laughs> and I, look, I exclusively wear black jeans. I don't wear blue jeans. I exclusively wear black jeans, so I like to think of myself as the Romeo in black jeans of the modern age. So thanks, Michael Penn. Learn your lesson. This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the bands Punchline, Pack, and Another Cheetah, and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing play off the Punchline album, Rewind EP. Visit punchline.com for merch, tour dates, and news. We're on Patreon now. Become a patron and get bonus content, early episodes, and a chance to vote on future episodes at patreon.com backslash OHT podcast. Do you want to start a podcast? Contact Chris and myself at weknowpodcasting.com for how we can make your show sound as professional as possible. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app, and tune in next week for more One Hit Thunder.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Hello out there! Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!